This is the Jets-centric podcast, your home for Winnipeg Jets, talk, thoughts, and takes. Hey there, Jets fans, and welcome back to episode 11 of the Jets-centric podcast. My name is AJ. I'm one of your hosts. In this episode, we have two interviews for you, one with Mitch Kasprick of Winnipeg Hockey Talk and the other with Cody Bueller of the Jets Nation podcast. Uh, We recorded on Monday, the day before the Blake Wheeler signing, so unfortunately their interviews have no Blake Wheeler um, updated uh, input. (laughs) So uh, we didn't have that for you, but uh, the interviews were, I thought, very good. Uh, they were very different uh, with some of the takes that the guys had, and uh, I definitely enjoyed chatting with both of them uh, while we were recording as well as we weren't recording, So, and I think that comes through. So a lot of fun. Uh, big thanks to them for doing it. Um, with regard to the Blake Wheeler news, though, uh, tried to delay publishing this episode to make sure that we had some people come on air and do some pros and cons, and I didn't want it to just be uh, my voice. Unfortunately, it wasn't that easy to get uh, to arrange to have some people come on air and give us some time to record that. So uh, obviously the social media has been a buzz with the Blake Wheeler signing. Uh, but uh, as far as if you want some hot takes about it, I would su- suggest uh, checking out uh, Murat at The Athletic. Uh, he was a previous guest. He had a nice article on it. Also Alistair Mowat, um, one of our contributors over at jetcenter.ca, uh, wrote an article so you can check that out too. And uh, Jets Nation podcast who... Again, we're interviewing Cody Bueller uh, on this episode. They did a a quick hit about uh, Blake Wheeler. So there's lots of stuff out there, but uh, we don't have anything for you this time. But uh, figured let's get this episode on the road uh, before it uh, collects some dust. So anyhow, enjoy the episode. Uh, That's it for this time. Hey there, Jets fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Jets-centric podcast. I'm one of your hosts, AJ, and I'm here today with Cody Bueller of the Jets Nation podcast. Cody, thanks so much for doing this. Hey, no problem. Glad to be here. Yeah, definitely glad to have you. We've uh, been trying to set this up for a while, so it's nice that we're finally uh, getting it done. Um, so uh, one thing I want to ask you uh, about, first of all, just starting off, uh, why don't you tell uh, our listeners a little bit about your podcast? You do a podcast for Jets Nation with your brother, Kyle. Go. I'll let you, I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, for sure. I can definitely take it from there. Uh, me and my brother have been doing the podcast. I was asking him today, actually, how long have we been doing this podcast? And we think it's been about two, two and a half years already. Um, I started a podcast actually a number of years ago with a friend of mine who lived in BC. Um, I wanted to talk hockey. We liked talking hockey together just online, messaging back and forth. And we decided, let's start a podcast. So I would call him regularly and I'd record it. And uh, it was called One East, One West. And he being on the West Coast in Manitoba, that's East compared to the West Coast. And so uh, we were actually on the site uh, Puck Rant. And so I did that for a while. And then eventually we just do everything with the site and just the long distance. We just decided, you know, we would just stop doing the podcast. Then it was a couple of years went by and then uh, the Jets being back and all the excitement. And I thought, why don't I do a Jets podcast? And I was reading a bunch of the stuff on the website, Jets Nation and Garrett Hole and all the stuff he was posting. And I was like, they don't have a podcast. I wonder if they would accept 
me as their podcaster. And I talked to my brother, who's a big Jets fan, and it just kind of snowballed from there. And we talked to Jets Nation. They said, yeah, we'd love to have you. We'd love to have you be our official podcast. And then it kind of just went from there. And we've been doing this for the last couple of seasons now. We have a lot of fun with it. Basically, it's just the two of us, and we go back and forth and try and fit as much content as we can in in half an hour. Well, that's great. I've, I've listened to it a bunch. I really like what you guys do. And I will say this, of all the Jets-themed podcasts, you guys definitely have the best polish, the best finish to it, you know, the most sound effects and everything. Uh, you guys do a really, really great job with that. And I guess part of that has to do with you're actually in the, like, audio and radio kind of play stuff. So I wonder if you could speak a little bit about that and your kind of job on the side there that you do a little bit of, bit of play-by-play too. Yeah, that's it's funny you call it the job on the side because really it's it's my main job. And so the podcast is kind of just what I do on the side just for fun. And so, no, I work at the radio station in Portage La Prairie. And so we've actually got three radio stations out of Portage, uh, CFRY 920 AM, uh, Mix 96.5 FM and 93.1 FM. Look us up. We've got an app. We've got to plug them. They're the ones who pay my bills. And so I'm on the morning show of CFRY 920 AM. And then I do that Monday to Friday. You can hear me Monday to Friday, 6 a.m. till noon. And then so I'm just a regular morning show host there. I don't have a co-host or anything like that. And then I'm on the uh, midday show on Mix 96. You can hear me Monday to Friday there from noon till 2. So I've got those eight hours on the air. And sometimes you can hear me here and there uh, on the weekends on Mix 96 and uh, CFRY as well. So that's my main job. And then what I do all winter and we're just uh, the schedule is out and we're just starting to get underway. Uh, I do the play-by-play broadcasts for the Portage Terriers, the junior A hockey team out of Portage. And so uh, all winter long on top of my regular morning show, I do the play-by-play for the Terriers. It airs on 9:20 AM CFRY. And then you can also listen online at portageonline.com. And so I get to follow the team and that's what I love to do. It's my favorite part of the job, hands down, getting paid to watch hockey. Um, And I've been doing that since the 2010, 2011 season. So we've called a lot of championships. Uh, I was, did that as color commentator for three seasons. We called two championships. And then uh, since then I took over as play by play and have called three more league titles, a national championship. That was the highlight of my broadcast career. And it's been it's been a lot of fun. And so our first broadcast is coming up September 21st. And so my busy season is about to get started. That sounds really cool to do that play by play down just out of curiosity. If you're ever with your friends and you're kind of watching a jets game, do you ever like turn the sound down and do the play by play on the jets game for everyone there? Or no? Well, or sometimes not so much? I'm tempted and sometimes I would, if I'm by myself, but I don't know if my friends always want to hear me And but no, I, I love doing play by play. And I was thinking about doing that, even if I'm just playing NHL, but, I know my son, he's probably one of my biggest fans. And so when me and him are playing mini stick, uh, I have to be doing the play-by-play for that. That's for sure. Oh, that's awesome. You definitely have a great voice for it too. And your brother, Kyle, he he does some writing as well for Jets Nation, right? He puts out a lot of articles. I know I've seen some of his stuff. So uh, has he been doing that as long as you guys have been doing the podcast as well? Or did he kind of come on with Jets Nation at the same time you guys started the, the podcast for them? No, uh, I actually approached him about joining the podcast and kind of joining me with this. Uh, He was obviously a passionate hockey fan, but he'd never written before. He'd never podcasted before. He'd never been on the radio before. He's got a completely different job. And so when he joined me on the podcast, we did that for over a year. And really, he's only been writing for probably the last 
three or four months. Uh, he's only just recently started writing, but he's been looking into the analytics and doing a lot of that prior. And so now he's just uh, finally starting to write and kind of uh, use that as an outlet as well. Okay. Yeah. Like I've, I've read a bunch of his articles, but I wasn't sure. I haven't gone back over time to, to see when people started, started their gig, but yeah, I was just kind of curious about that. And I thought maybe some of the listeners would be too. So you could check out Kyle's writing over at uh, Jets Nation and check out your guys' podcast at uh, Jets Nation as well, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Jets Nation uh, is the place to go. And that's where we've always had our podcast hosted. Of course, we're also on iTunes. You can find us on SoundCloud and uh, a bunch of uh, platforms like that. And uh, yeah, and if you are searching for his stuff on there, uh, he goes by the writing name KB, just going with his initials. Oh, well, I go by AJ. Those are just my initials, so uh, I can't uh, really make fun of him for that, but uh, <laughs> not that I was planning on it. But uh, anyhow, let's get into some Jet stuff. So this next Jet season, uh, there's going to be some very familiar faces, I'm sure, coming in. I don't think there's going to be too much change in the lineup as far as new players besides the backup goaltending. But uh, as far as the, the team goes, do you see any people that you're projecting to take maybe a regression from what we've seen from them? Like anybody that might be taking a step back and we maybe see their truer colors or, uh, and also are there some players that you're really expecting some big improvement and, and some, you know, some real gusto, you know, going into the season where the, we'll see some stuff from them. We haven't quite yet. See, it's always a lot more fun projecting breakouts opposed to busts. At least yeah. As far as I'm concerned, you, you always want, I'm always, uh, as far as the show goes, I always like to be the optimist. Uh, before this last season, uh, we were doing, uh, are the Jets going to make the playoffs this year? And this was coming out of a season where the Jets weren't that great. And so me and my brother kind of debated, and this was a while ago, so you, you probably don't remember, but we talked about it, and I gave all of the reasons why the teams in the Central Division weren't going to make the playoffs. I went through every single one and why they weren't and why the Jets should. And my brother kind of countered the point when basically saying the Jets were going to miss the playoffs. And I'd like to point out, and I'd point out to him often that I was the one who was correct on that one. Uh, so I'm just tooting my own horn for the one time I was correct. Um, but uh, so I always try and be on the optimistic side of things. Um, but I know as far as players who might not have as great a season, uh, and you really hate to say it, and me and my brother were kind of talking about this uh, just this last week, and we were talking about Blake Wheeler as the captain. And my brother was saying that if you look at Blake Wheeler's numbers, they're actually very similar to years prior, but just this time, or just this last season with the breakout, it was because of a lot of power play time. And right. I know he had a lot of really good time with Mark Shifley on that top unit. And even when Shifley was gone, Blake Wheeler was just playing amazing in the middle. Can he keep that up as he keeps getting older? He's had so many seasons where he hasn't missed any time. I really like Blake Wheeler and I have him on my fantasy team. So I really hope he doesn't regress. But if there's one player, maybe. Also, right. my brother always uh, points out, uh, and I, I just always source my brother because I get a lot of my stats from him and what he brings to the podcast. And he, he was also saying about Patrick Line's shooting percentage uh, being so high at, I think, around 17%, uh, which is very high, only like Steven Stamkos, very small percentage of people uh, have a shooting percentage that high and with the amount of shot totals, et cetera. Um, I hope he can keep that up, and I personally believe that he can keep that up. I don't know if we're going to see that much more of an elevation from him points-wise. I hope the rest of his game gets elevated. Um, so maybe Blake Wheeler seeing a slight drop. I think Blake Wheeler's still an elite winger, and we're still going to see amazing numbers, maybe just not as amazing as last year. As far as uh, other numbers, Connor Hellebuck posted up basically Vesna caliber numbers 
I hope we don't see a regression. But again, when a guy is posting such amazing numbers, are we going to see as many wins from him? Hellebuck? Maybe not. Maybe Brassois. I don't see really either backup pushing for tons of starts, but you, you just never know. So those are maybe on that side of things. And as far as breakouts go and who I'm hoping really takes off, I'm really excited for Christian Veselainen. Uh, signing that deal I'm really excited to just from what I've been hearing and I'm really looking forward to seeing him in the lineup I hope that he makes this club and can contribute this season and that's one not a lot of guys are talking about but he's definitely been on my radar and and there's a lot of guys who I'm kind of on the fence about I'd like to see Rozovic as well this next season make it as a full-time legitimate contributor in this lineup yeah, I, th- I, th- uh, I think Rosovic kind of came to mind too for, for myself. And I feel like this is a, a year where we'll really get to see what he is. And I think once people get to see what he is, I think they'll be very happy with what he is too. I think uh, just watching with the moose, he's probably one of the silkiest, smoothest skaters and passers uh, in, in the organization. He's, he's very, very good. And I think uh, he'll, 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 he'll uh, turn some heads for sure. I think he's, he's the real deal. So Yeah. I remember when he got drafted, I was, I remember because he was in the same draft, I think, as Kyle Connor, correct? And, uh, yes. Yeah, was late, just later in that first round. And the Jets have just done so well with their drafting. And I remember when he was picked, there was a lot of good things uh, written about him. But then all of the hype kind of went to Kyle Connor. And there wasn't as much talk right away about Jack Rozovic. But just kind of following him along and just the way he's progressed, it's uh, it's been exciting. Yeah, for sure. I'm totally with you on, on him. I, I really like him. I think uh... – yeah, well, I already said what I think about that. Anyhow, moving <laughs> along, uh, the the Jets. Now, so we talked about uh, some that might grow, some players that go back. But as a team, what are some of the areas that uh, you see some room for improvement? Like uh, it, it, they often say it's just the little things. You know, if you just do the little things right, you can get a little bit better. What are some of those areas that uh, you think the team will or should uh, get better at to just kind of be just that slight bit better? A couple more goals for, a couple more uh, fewer goals against, uh, better power play, better penalty kill. What What's it going to take to – you know, just, you know, if you're not getting better or, you know, then you're, or if you're not, if you're standing still, you're not getting better. Something like that. I'm not yeah, sure what no, the I know, is, I know right? what you're, yeah, I know what you're trying to say. And yeah, you take a look at the Winnipeg Jets season. It's really hard to complain. They finished second. They were, they were yeah. only trailing Nashville for the president's trophy. And when you take a look at them in the playoffs, they were one round away from making it to the Stanley cup. So like really the, the one thing that, kind of makes me nervous heading into this season is the high expectations and so when you see how well they played last year everybody's expecting oh man this team is still getting better and I am all on board for the Winnipeg Jets but it's just the expectations are so high it's basically Stanley Cup or bust at this point and I don't want to say last year is a fluke and I don't think last year was a fluke either I am thinking that they can definitely make the playoffs again this year, and I hope they are pushing for a president's trophy. I kind of liked the underdog mentality last season. There's definitely not that this year. So I think for the Winnipeg Jets, they need to, I don't know what they need to do in the dressing room to get them fired up for every night, but they need to maybe even take on some kind of underdog mentality so that they can have that consistency every night. I think this last year they were pretty consistent. I would still like to see the defensive side of things get a little bit better. They have tons of firepower with Ehlers, Line, Connor, and then you look at Shifley and Wheeler, so much firepower up front. And even a lot of their defensemen are offensive-minded. I would just like to see better team defense, uh, a little bit better in-zone play in their own end. Um, And then I'd really like to see the progression of Patrick Line to be more of a complete player. 
And then I think with those kind of tweaks, and obviously I know a lot of people still talk about the penalty kill needing a little bit more work, and I think it sure does. Um, I think they can be right there at the top again, if that kind of makes sense. Maybe I kind of talked in a circle. Oh, <laughs> you don't have to tell me about talking in a circle. That's my <laughs> thing. Don't try and steal my thing from me. Um, it, it was kind of weird last year, though, I, I think, to uh, actually be a good team. We're so used to as little Winnipeg and, and what the Jets have done so far, always been an underdog. So it's kind of weird to actually go into a season thinking that we could be the team to beat again, right? Yeah, it's uh, that, weird. That, like that, when you look at TSN or the hockey news and all the writers are picking the Jets as the top four or picking the Jets to be in the running for the president's trophy. It's it's a completely different feeling as a fan. Yeah, for sure. It's a good one, though. That's, uh, oh, I, hope we get, yeah. I hope we get used to this one. Yeah, kind of yeah, like uh, take it. De- Detroit did <laughs> for years and years, right? Yeah. Um, so now uh, going back to last, uh, last year's Stanley Cup run, uh, the Jets lost in, in the conference finals. And... Uh, and then Vegas went on to lose the team that lost to went on to lose to Washington. Uh, with that, do you think it's better for a team just talking about kind of going forward and building and stuff to, if you're not going to win the Stanley cup, is it probably better to lose in the conference finals than to have the letdown of losing in the Stanley cup finals? That feels like kind of like the kiss of death that you, you don't, you don't want to lose there because not often do teams lose in the Stanley cup finals and then make it back there and, and, you know, do anything with it a lot of the time. Yeah, no, there definitely can be something said about if you lose in the conference finals, maybe you're a little bit hungrier. And then if you lose in the Stanley Cup finals, just a major letdown and you're just not quite, you're kind of crushed. But I think back to, it was what, uh, Detroit, Pittsburgh that kind of went back to back. Yeah. Stanley Cup finals there a few years ago where it's the men in the Stanley Cup finals one year and the next year they met again and then it just switched to one. That was with Pittsburgh, Detroit, correct? Yeah, that's correct. I think it was uh, 08 uh, was the first time. I think it was 08 and then 09. Uh, right, and Marion Hosa was bouncing yeah. back and forth between all the teams, and eventually he just went to Chicago to win it. Anyways, uh, I think we, we've also seen teams like Ottawa, who kind of the same situation as the Jets, and then they completely fell off the deep end. Yeah. Um, well, I really know. I think it's – I think it's more based on how the team is constructed because some teams, they get to the conference final and it's just kind of like that's, or they get to the Stanley cup final. And I kind of use Ottawa as an example. They kind of get there with a little bit of luck and a little bit of just everything seems to go right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Where the Winnipeg jets, they're getting there kind of on the, the beginning of an uprising, if you will. And I use that kind of in the sense of, just the way the Winnipeg Jets are trending, the way they've been building, they're not, they weren't buying all in. Yeah, they bought Stastny at the trade deadline, but they didn't sell the entire farm system for one year. And so now they can do it again. But when you take a look at a team like Ottawa or some of those other teams, there was kind of a crash because a lot of players left and a lot of changes and a lot of upheaval. And plus, I think it's just with how tight the NHL is, it's just really tough to get back there two years in a row no matter who's on your team. Yep. I totally agree with that one. I, I, I've just thought long and hard about that. If there's something to the, the letdown people often talk about, it, but sometimes when you hear these terms in, in media and fans talking, I wonder like if the players or the teams actually feel that way, like the, if they feel pressure the same way we think they feel pressure or if they feel the letdown the same way we think they feel a letdown. Right. So not getting to the Stanley cup finals as a fan, if, if you're not going to win at all, then I don't want to be there because that, that's a pretty big <laughs> letdown to be the team 
could be an also ran, you know what I mean? And because oh, you yeah. might just go down in history as like the team that made it to all the Stanley Cup finals and never, never won it, right? So, well, I was a huge Canucks fan before the Jets came back. I was, I was born in BC, and so I was just an absolutely huge Canucks fan until the Jets came back. And when the Jet, uh, the Canucks lost in 2011 in the Stanley Cup final game seven, that was the worst day of my sports fandom life. Did you riot in Portage of the Prairie or no? I felt like rioting. It was <laughs> terrible because I'd never seen cheering for the Bombers, cheering for all of these teams. I'd never seen a championship with my team. And so to see the Canucks in game seven, I was just, ugh. And so I couldn't even imagine for the Winnipeg Jets to get there and then not. And so it was already crushing in the Western Conference final. Yeah, it's it sucks. So speaking from experience of losing in a game seven and then still never won a Stanley Cup, I, I I feel that. Yeah, and and for Canada too. I mean, we've had Calgary get there, Edmonton, Ottawa, and Vancouver all since what is, I think '04 or something since the last uh, two lockouts ago. I think all those Canadian teams made it and lost. Yeah, and three of them and three of them two expansion teams, right? Carolina, yeah. Bay, and, and Anaheim. So uh, that's pretty crushing too. Uh, have Canadian teams losing to expansion teams in the deep South, but whatever mm-hmm. it is, maybe the Jets will be the first one to break that, that curse. So I'd like to see it happen. Let's do it yeah. this next year. Hopefully. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Well, uh, so news, most- the hockey news predicted 2019. So we're still on pace. Yeah. Uh, you know what I noticed though? The Ehlers is wearing the wrong number on that. Uh, so maybe has to change his number back to 42. <laughs> I, think, I think he's wearing 42. Like a, uh, I, I don't, I don't know where he got that number from. <laughs> well, I think he's. I doubt he's going to change it just for that. But hey, maybe whatever works. You know what? They're pretty superstitious guys. Those uh, those hockey players. But anyway, moving along uh, onto the season here. Uh, there's always going to be some players in the press box. Uh, who do you think is in the press box? Uh, obviously, you're not who you'd like to see, but who you think the coach uh, benches? Uh, I don't think Maurice has been a huge fan of Marco Dano. Uh, I don't mind him. I just think there's lots of better options in the in the lineup right now. And I think when you take a look at who's coming in and who's on the team, um, it's going to be kind of interesting to see who's in the press box because right now the top – well, if you look on defensive side of things, there's going to be um, – it's going to be interesting who they pair with Bufflin. But, like, let's say the top pairing is Morrissey and Truba, and I think that's pretty much obvious – and then the second pairing is going to be Bufflin, and then it's going to be interesting to see who Bufflin plays with. I'd like to see him play with Niku, and then you're going to, let's say everybody's healthy and ready to go, so we've got Myers, and um, I don't have the lineup in front of me, but Probably Kulikov, Kulikov, yeah. Yeah, so Kulikov, and so then for me, I'm assuming Joe Morrow and Ben Sherrod are in the press box, but I'm going to say probably Niku in the press box, and Sherrod and Morrow with Bufflin, one of those guys. Yeah, that sounds sounds likely. And and Pullman, so a Pullman in the press box. Yeah, Pullman probably in the press box, and I guess we'll have to wait and see how camp goes. But I think, I think Sherrod's probably going to be in the, either in as a bottom six or like with Bufflin or in the press box. I don't think he's going to be going down to the Moose. I don't know if Morrow's necessarily. I think Pullman might be the guy who starts down to the Moose. But again, just based on injury and some of those guys, well, we've seen with injuries in the past. But as far as up front goes. Daniel, I think, is probably going to be the press box. Um, it doesn't seem like they're super high on Patan. I could see him being in the press box. I'd like to see Rozovic in the lineup. I'd also like to see Veselainen in the lineup. And then if both of those guys are in the lineup, I'd like to see Tanev out, but Tanev's probably going to be in. <laughs> it, it really depends on how uh, Veselainen does in training camp and if he makes the lineup. In my lineup, he is in. 
So I, I guess we'll have to see. But Dan Patan probably upstairs. Yeah, it's sort of re recycle that idea again. Eh? It's yeah. a that's yeah. Maurice definitely has his his guys, but I guess we'll see. I agree with you about the Tanev one. I would I'd like to you know if he's a forward on this team, I just would prefer him as a thirteenth forward. That's all. So yep. uh, it's uh, not not that big of a criticism, but I I, I would take Dan over him. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving along here, uh, the question I haven't talked to anybody about yet: uh, the media. What do you think of like the coverage of the the Jets in the city? We know that TSN twelve ninety is a kind of a sister station or partner, kind of uh, their 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 media partner. Um, do you like the coverage of what goes on, or do you find like some of the better work being done on Jets Nation? Obviously, this last year we had Murat from the Athletic kind of join the fray and seem to. His, you know, found a, a big following and a lot of love for him. So what, what's your take on, on the media and where would you like to see it improve or what kind of, uh, you know, awards would you like to hand out to some of the ones doing, doing a good job? Hmm. All right. So let me at least start this. I've got a cough here for a second. What do you think first? What do I think? Yeah. Uh, I think generally that uh, I see them doing their job, which is to cover the team, but I don't, find them generally asking good enough questions. Now, this is uh, people come after me, I, you know, doing the podcast. I don't know if I ask good questions or not, but I'm also not paid to do this. So uh, for those that follow the team and are paid to follow it and, and follow it closely, I think uh, I would expect a higher level of um, aptitude for knowing exactly what's going on, for knowing what player skills are. But generally I find, and this goes for fans as well, um, I find most people, their narratives are driven by what the coach does. So if Maurice says, I really like Hendricks, then we hear about Hendricks for, you know, 20 times in the first five games. And by all accounts, he sounds like a great person, but honestly, a pretty negligible player to what the Jets were like. Uh, but people were, you know, pinning it on him that th this is why they're doing so well, you know, playing seven seven minutes a night and what he does in the dressing room. I don't really buy that but it seems like people just kind of bought it hook line and sinker and didn't really ask some difficult questions about it so there are some people that i really enjoy uh personally the ones that i've met uh i think some people have tried to uncover you know some backdoor stuff like what's kind of really going on with the team and the people dynamics that happen and uh, i appreciate those that that do that but generally i would say uh it's okay. But I mean, I've never been in another NHL city, so I don't know how it goes. I just know what I'd like to see. I just see some better questions and better aptitude. I mean, when you have some of your main media people pumping the tires of Ben Sherratt, you know, at a ratio of four to one over talking about Niku or uh, Poolman, who are clearly better players, you know, part of the same system. It's not like you have to say that you're cheering for another team. It, it's the same, you know, uh, organization so I don't know why they seem to pump the the wrong players tires except that those are the players that are actually in the lineup and who the coach uses and the coach likes so it's sort of just is regurgitating what the coach says and uh, I'm not a big fan of Maurice that's just my opinion I don't know if it's right or wrong uh, you know as far as somebody could tell me why he's a great coach or why he's a bad coach and um, but uh, yeah I'm not a fan and I just <clears throat> find, uh, maybe their own fandom or their Maurice colored goggles get in the way a bit so well, here's what I'll say about that. It's not easy covering a team. And so as somebody who's firsthand works in media, 
and who does this full time. It's not, what's the, it's <laughs> tricky covering a team when you have such a close relationship with the team. Yeah. And when you travel with them and you're friends with them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so when, as far as TSN, because I watch their coverage probably the closest and I've heard a lot of people basically exactly like what you've said. I don't. And as somebody who's asked questions in dressing rooms and I interview players on during the season on a daily basis, not jets, but terriers. And so I kind of draw some parallels here. It's, you kind of TSN's job is to be the reporter of the facts. Their job is not to speculate a lot. And especially for guys like Dennis Bayak, Brian Munns, Paul Edmonds, the guys who are doing the interviews with the players, the whole speculation of line combinations and all of that, I feel that they give their perspective and they will give their opinions. I feel that some of the Winnipeg Jets broadcasters, they're a little bit more on the old school side of things when it comes to um, analytics and it comes to locker room guys and value. They put a lot of value in that, right or wrong. And it's kind of interesting because when I talk to even just fans like you and fans on Twitter and a lot of people talk online, it's all about the advanced stats. It's all about the numbers. It's all about like that kind of thing. When I talk to a lot of my friends who are big hockey fans who follow the jets, they're fans of guys like Sherratt and I'll get to hanging out with a bunch of my buddies. We'll be watching jets game and they'll say stuff like, Oh man, I just loved Mark Stewart and I love the way he stepped up. And Oh, I love having a physical guy like Hendricks on the fourth line. And they truly believe that and it's sometimes i think in the podcast world and in the twitter world we get so caught up because we only see guys mainly tweeting about the advanced stats and guys like batan he gets so much love guys like niku gets so much love and there's a lot of jets fans who are either just casual or who are old school hockey fans who aren't who look at it completely different and so kind of back to the TSN and how they cover it. I don't necessarily know what kind of questions you would want asked. Um, I feel they do a fairly good job as far as asking questions goes and asking about line combinations and different things and why certain guys are in and why certain guys are out. And you are, when you're asking questions, you're at the mercy of the coach and you kind of do want to build up a good rapport with the coach, because if you're asking dumb questions or questions that just piss him off, well, then he's going to be less likely to give you more in the future. And just like what we've seen with John Tortorella and some reporters, like if you're getting in a coach's face and you're asking him like really just like hounding him all the time about like Nick Tan or hounding about all the time, like there is definitely a relationship there that you do need to build. And as far as pumping the tires go, like a lot of reporters, you do get the freedom to pick which guys you're interested in, which guys you report on. And so some people listening might be happy that they're talking about Sherrod and then you or me, maybe not as much because personally, I'm not a huge fan of Sherrod. And it's kind of interesting on just certain things that guys pick up and certain things that guys report on or not. I personally think that there's kind of two sets of media. There's the Twitter media 
and kind of like what we do. And I like what Murat does with his advanced stats. And I love his numbers and what he's doing with the athletic. And I think that there's room for both because both do different things. Jets, you guys are doing on your podcast and what we do and talking about line combinations and digging deep into like some of the advanced stats and is Maurice good and questioning all that kind of stuff. That's great. TSN's job, in my opinion, is to report what's happening. What did Maurice say? Because they were there at the press conference. What did happen because they were there? And they're also the ones broadcasting the game. So they're in charge of that too. I don't know. I just think that there's, that's, that there's room for both because one can't do all of one. One can't do all of the other. I don't know if that answered your question, but no, that's kind of my perspective on it. Yeah, no, I like that. It's just, it, it comes up uh, semi-often just when people say stuff, you know, whether it's fans, you're talking to friends or whatever, and they say something, you go, wow, that sounds really boneheaded. Sometimes media does that too. And I know they're just people or they're fans or they have relationship. And so, so I get that too. And as far as the type of questions I would ask, I mean, it would have to depend on what the scenario was or what the questions were at the time. But uh, I agree with you. Typically what they're doing is reporting the facts and what the coach says. But a lot of times that comes across like, that they absorb that opinion of the coach too. And so then they will sort of pump the tires of the same people the coach does. And the other players are negligible. Like, I mean, Dano in most people's eyes as fans and media is a complete afterthought. And whereas, you know, he's a great player with great underlying numbers. And most but people. Here's think- the question. The question I always come up when everybody talks about guys like Dano, if he's got great underlying numbers and he's so great, well, then why is Maurice not playing him? Either Maurice is the dumbest sack of bricks or everybody else and everybody else on Twitter is a complete genius and should be running the Winnipeg Jets. Or maybe Paul Maurice knows something that we don't. That's just kind of what I always get where it's just like everybody always just gets on like, oh, yeah, Marco Dano, he's like the best thing since sliced bread. Look at all these underlying numbers. Yet he's been traded three times and the Jets still aren't playing him. And so I always just like – Look, when, especially when it comes to taking on the personality of the coach, like when you interview a coach, they're the guys, and like and Maurice has said this in interviews, they've got so many advanced stats that the Jets are looking at that we don't get access to. They're looking at numbers that we don't even see. Like if we think that they don't have advanced stats and they're just flying by the seat of the pants, I think that that's completely wrong. Like, And so then that's maybe why broadcasters are picking up on what the coach is saying because – one, obviously, that's what he's doing, and you want to know what the coach is doing if you're going to be broadcasting the game. But I don't know. That's just kind of my perspective. I'm kind of – I kind of like Paul Maurice in a sense, and maybe I just have too much trust in the sense that obviously they're winning, and some people have said the Jets win in spite of Paul Maurice. I don't know. I don't think – they always say coaches lose – players win games, coaches lose games. And that's, I've heard that expression recently, and it's so true. When the Jets are winning, oh, it's because of the amazing players. When the Jets are losing, oh, it's because Paul Maurice sucks. Right, yeah. I don't know. That's just – it's like it's, it's not – they're not independent of each other. With When it comes to uh, coaching, you know, in the NHL or people that have position of power or money and stuff, we often assume a lot of responsibility. But then on the flip side, then the argument would be that people that don't have that can't be responsible. And, uh, you know, just in the States is the best example I can think of because there's was two potential uh, presidential candidates that were completely hated by 50% of the country, right? Like just totally on the opposite side. 
And even now with what Trump's doing, people say, this guy's a fool. How is he? But he's president of, you know, the most powerful nation in the world. And so we assume, you know, that when it's uh, our brand or something we're trying to protect or something that we're invested in, that whoever's in charge of that, that they're the definitely the right people. So I just don't do that. So I just kind of question everything. I don't think of Maurice necessarily as being that much better of a coach than, uh, you know, probably a hundred other coaches that are in the AHL or NHL. He just happens to be the one that is coaching the team. So I do not assume that he makes the best decisions. Just He just happens to be the decision maker. So for me, yeah, I kind of kind of look at it, it that way a little bit where I would question him a little bit more. And I don't think if he makes a good decision that he's a genius or a bad decision, he's a buffoon. But it's certainly good to, uh, I guess, maybe – this was my complaint about the media uh, slightly and definitely not all of them is that it just seems like they fall in line with whatever Maurice says. And again, most people, their narrative gets driven by what he does. So in everyone's mind, Dan was a bad player, right? And I don't think he's a bad player. And you know, you know, his underlying numbers seem to say that. And so the, but he's the one that gets to make that decision. So if he doesn't like him for whatever reason, maybe it's a personality thing, then the guy gets benched and that's just what it is. It's punitive and it's silly to, to do that, but maybe, that's part of his personality because that's just what people do, whether they're in positions of power or not. So the power thing and the fact that he's an NHL coach, that's not enough to drive me to be like, yep, he definitely knows and nobody else knows. And, uh, you know, yeah, no, just not... deciding. So, yeah, no, I'm not saying, yeah, he's always right. And I'm definitely not saying that. I just, yeah, it's just kind of interesting because we don't get to see the whole picture. I just always kind of defend him. And I know Kyle's talked against Maurice too. And, and it's just, so then if, do you think if the Jets had a different coach, they would have won the Stanley Cup? No, I, I don't necessarily say, uh, say that, but I, I do feel that they should have been in the the playoffs uh, the year before last. I think that uh, there were some usage issues with the goaltending that were pretty boneheaded. Uh, but again, like you say, we don't know necessarily even like the behind the scenes numbers that they get, but even the personality things that they have to deal with. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, here's like little bits and pieces of stories and you go, Oh, okay. Maybe there's something to that. And that's, what's driving it. And it's a personality thing, not a skill thing. So then if you're making your decisions based off who you like or don't like, or you're getting pressure from above or whatever it is, then maybe you're not playing your best team. And yep. uh, hockey is a, a weird sport where they typically will not necessarily play their best players all the time. There's so many things that people are obsessed with intangibles. And uh, I think intangibles are real maybe the, they need to find a better way of measuring them to see if they, the value added from intangibles are worth more than the skill of another player. Right. So, yeah, I mean, the Hendricks Hendricks is a great example because I don't, none of us were in the locker room, but apparently he's great in the locker room and the team goes from not making the playoffs to making the playoffs. And he gets a lot of credit for that from some people, including media. And I just think he's a negligible player with negligible skill who was, uh, essentially meaningless you could have put any other player there the team was bound to do that well like we, we all know how stacked the team is right and and Maurice is at least an average coach I don't know I wouldn't say he's a terrible coach but he's at least an average coach so with that kind of talent and that kind of you know coaching I don't know if Hendricks is the the do or die but some people will swear that he is and it's yeah it sounds like nonsense to me so it's kind of funny because yeah with those kind of players with just bringing attitude and everything to the dressing room and making other players work harder, whether you're on the ice or not. It's, it's funny what attitude can do to a team and a couple players with a bad attitude can really bring down a team. And I've just seen it at the junior level. And 
as somebody who's watched a really good coach at the junior level who can be the GM and the coach at the same time, it's tough because the GM brings in the players and then the coach just has to deal with what they've been given. But at the junior level, you can kind of coach and manipulate. And it's been interesting. And I always go back to this because I've seen so many examples of this, how I've seen a lot of players come into Portage with a lot of skill and a lot of ability, but are don't have the right attitude, don't have the right work work ethic, weren't willing to listen, weren't willing to hustle. And I've had a lot of fans come up to me and be like, what is the coach doing? Why would he trade that player? Why would he whatever? And then I would hear behind the scenes, oh, well, he, no, nobody in the dressing room liked him. Every, he just didn't work well with others. Um, yeah. There was so many other things going on behind the scenes. And I was like, oh, okay. And then plus they're like, plus he didn't have enough jam or he didn't have enough heart. When the going gets tough in the playoffs, he's just like, yeah, no, he's going to fold. And I'm like, you're calling that now? Like you've seen him for like a month. And like, yeah, the coaches said, yeah, he doesn't have the whatever. And we don't have the advanced stats in junior to measure these, a lot of these different kind of things. But they're like, yeah, no, he's not going to be able to do it in the playoffs. We don't want him on our team. But this is coming from a coach who's won three, well, since I've been broadcasting, I think I've called five league titles, a national championship. Like he knows what he's doing. He looks for guys who are going to, play well in the playoffs guys who go into the corners hard and he has a certain style in mind certain and if you're not gonna play that way he ships you out and so I don't know if Maurice is doing the same kind of things and I'm not really comparing but I'm just kind of what I'm saying or my point is that the coaches look at a lot of different things and they really value work ethic hustle effort there is a lot to be said about that and does it show up in the playoffs? I don't know, but they seem to think so. I definitely think the playoff that playoff hockey is different than regular season. I think you'd probably agree with that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so bringing in a player who's going to play in the playoffs and who's going to be able to perform at that high level under pressure. And I've had coaches tell me, they said, yeah, this guy, once we get to the playoffs, he's not going to have it. We can just tell regular season. Yeah. He'll put up a bunch of points and yeah, he'll look good at times, but, I don't think he's got the what to get it done. And yeah. I'm not, that's not a pro or against Hendricks. And that's really not a Hendricks conversation at all. This is just a coaching philosophy. Yeah. There's, there's definitely something to, to unpackage there. And I guess maybe, uh, maybe we'll try and have a, a coach on the show here and we can uh, unpackage that a little bit because there, there's definitely something there. I mean, intangibles are real. They, they do exist. And in some ways they're measurable. It just, sometimes uh, it's hard to believe that they equal more than someone else's skill, right? Yeah. When, when the, the, the skill disparity is so obvious. That, that's just a problem for myself and other fans. To, if you tell me this person's intangibles equal more than the dif- difference between their skill, that seem, is hard to believe sometimes. Yeah. So whatever, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, that's, that's another way of saying it. Maybe it's not what it should be. So That's always been the big one with Patan. I've always, whenever I've watched Patan, uh, he's looked okay, but he's never, in my opinion, blown me away that I could trust him in his own end. Right. And so there's a lot of guys, and when you look at the shot metrics, yeah, they tell you, yeah, you're getting more shots when they're on the ice. Great. And there's a lot to be said for that too. But when a player always looks lost in his own zone, there's something to be said for that too. And again, they are measuring quality of scoring opportunities, and I don't want to get into all of that. 
Yep. And, and, and coaches give certain players different roles too. Like maybe they're just supposed to be covering one guy more than like sort of cheating a bit too. And you don't know that. So then they get burned, you know, on the inside and you don't know exactly what their role was. So when they, you say they get beat, fans might be blaming a player. Whereas meanwhile, the coach is looking at someone else because they blew their assignment, right? That kind exactly, of made yeah. somebody else. So yeah, there, there's, there's so many things to measure here. And like you said, we don't, we don't have all the information to, to do that, but Anyhow, Cody, we've been going for quite a while here. <laughs> We're going to, I think both of us should uh, go to bed. This is getting pretty late, but you know what? I appreciate so much you taking the time to do this and uh, dealing with uh, the technical issues that uh, I had over on my end here. Uh, so thanks for doing this. Uh, where can people find you and, and your work and your brother too? Yeah, for sure. Um, so a couple of different places uh, to find us. Uh, hit us up at Jets and Podcast. Uh, and then that's the best way to get a hold of us. If you have any questions, if you want to rant, if you want to rant and totally disagree with what I've said today, that's totally fine. Uh, we can take it. Um, you can also, uh, if you jetsnation.ca, great place to go if you're looking for more articles. My brother writes, and you can find the podcast there. You can find us on iTunes. Just search Jets Nation Podcast. They're pretty easy to find. Um, so a couple of different ways. And then if you do want to find uh, any of my uh, Terrier coverage and you do want to follow Junior A Hockey this winter, uh, portageonline.com, a great way to go and find all of our stories. I write a lot of stories there uh, co covering the Junior A uh, Portage Terriers. And you can listen to my broadcast uh, on 920 AM CFRY, first one coming up on the 21st. And I'll actually be in Winnipeg for that one uh, as the Terriers play the Blues. So a couple of different ways to find us, whether that's uh, with Junior A or with NHL. But I think most people listening uh, will be focusing on the NHL side of things. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I really appreciate it. This is a lot of fun, and uh, I look forward to chatting with you again. Maybe in person, maybe I'll come check out that Blues-Terriers uh, game, too, and we can uh, meet up there and talk some more. Yeah, let's do it. Let's have some fun. I'll tell you what I, re what I think of Patan. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> thanks again, Cody. Take care. Have a good night, bud. Yeah, you bet. Um, okay, welcome uh, back, Jazz fans. I'm here speaking with Mitch Kasprick of Winnipeg Hockey Talk. Mitch, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, Adrian. Yeah, not a problem. It's uh, I've been looking forward to it, and you know, nobody else knows this, but we've been uh, trying to make this happen for for quite a while now. Yep. <laughs> I think we got all the bugs sorted out now too. So, yep. Um, ready so, to go. Yeah, ready to go for sure. Um, so, uh, one of the first things I want to ask you was specifically about your your podcast. You were doing a podcast up until I think last January, um, the call, uh, which was part of the Winnipeg Hockey Talk, and then uh, you guys took a took a break from it. I'm curious if you can uh, speak to that and maybe some potential future plans if you're get back well, at that well it was kind of twofold um a lot of people don't know this but uh i mean well some people do the regulars do i'm in arizona and generally speaking my podcast partner manny who's on most of my podcast um he's here in winnipeg and uh technology being what it is sometimes skype and internet aren't very friendly and I was getting concerned with the technology and the glitches that we were getting in some of the podcasts. I mean, the finished product actually sounds pretty good when you listen to them. It almost, it almost sounds semi-professional, but they're really a hacked-up patchwork job that end up sounding better than they really are. It's a lot of work. I mean, an hour podcast sometimes with editing takes me uh, three hours to do. Now, in saying that, Podcast 72 was the last one we did. And I would say are probably the final five podcasts were actually pure what we did was what we posted but that's because me and mandy kind of have a good rapport now doing it together that uh we got away with it but like i say with people what most people don't know is we're not in the same room 
yeah. podcast number 72 was the first one where we were face-to-face. And it was so easy doing that one, just looking at each other in the eye and cueing off each other. But part of it was uh, being a little bit lazy. Part of it was um, when I'm down south, well, you guys are freezing up here. I'm golfing and having fun. Right, right. Sometimes, sometimes hard to get up and get up for it. And yeah. uh, the, in, the internet quality is sometimes, uh, it's not great. So we try to do our podcasts in the morning when less people are at home on their internet. And with Manny working and me doing what I'm doing, it was, it was kind of hard to get together. So we just put it on standby. And, you know, it might take a couple episodes to get her back rolling again. And we've always said that uh, we would kind of like to do one once a week. But for me, that's a stretch. Once a month sometimes is too long in between. But we've got to find a happy median. And I think right. this hockey season, we'll get back, 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 get back at it and get a regular thing going. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and for sure, I, I think, too, probably with the team, with their uh, resurgence last year doing so well, it's probably a little bit easier to get up for it now, knowing that the team is doing well and there's probably some more positive things to talk about, right? So, Well, you know, I never had a problem. We could go either way with that. But to, to, I guess another honest answer was being, I was hoping somebody would take notice and say, geez, these guys haven't been on for six months, and maybe somebody would give me an invite onto our podcast. It's easier being a guest than a host. <laughs> right, yeah, I can, I, can, I can attest to that, and uh, this is your invite, so. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, so now, uh, curious, are you going to be doing uh, more writing than this year, or is that still in the plans with uh, Winnipeg Hockey Talk? And, and do you, I was also going to ask, do you have other uh, writers, like this Manny, does he do Winnipeg Hockey Talk? Well, you know what, he, like all of us, we prefer doing, prefer doing the podcast over writing. I yeah. just do my, my, like, you know, my Monday morning random thoughts on the last week and that. Uh, try to do some updates on player stuff. I got a couple of young guys, Riley Malinowski, just a young kid, wants to do a little bit of writing. But he's busy. He's, you know, taking Crecom over at Red River. So he's busy and he likes to chip in the odd article here and there. Uh, now that Scott Campbell's a free agent, I'm hoping he comes back home to where he started. Uh, we've kind of had informal talks about that, and uh, he didn't want to commit to anything. And I don't blame him. I said it's <laughs> it's like taking a step backwards now, but uh, I'd like to get him back in the fold. Uh, at least, I, I mean, I've offered him the the platform anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was nice. He got that gig with the Free Press, and he had a good run there. But uh, um, I don't know if he wants to start his own website or blog or if he just wants to come back home. But uh, my door is always, always open to him and he knows that. But uh, we put we now we put out uh, things for writers and get responses. And once some, some guys, uh, once they realize the responsibility and how tough it is, uh, uh, they kind of back off a little. But uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, yeah, I can tell just being on the other end of that, seeing what that looks like with some of the other kind of what I like to call secondary media, not mainstream media, but with uh, Arctic Ice and Jets Nation and Hangar Hockey and now us with the Jet Centric and Jet Center and yourself with the Winnipeg Hockey Talk. There's, there's certainly uh, a lot of places to do it, but a lot of work, uh, if people uh, don't know, a lot of work goes into to making these things happen, right? People really got to be committed to, to doing this. So I, I admire anybody else who's doing it because definitely be on the other side, you can you can appreciate that. So. For sure, for sure. And and Scott, I have had private conversations, and he does definitely credit you for uh, giving him a start there before <laughs> the free press thing. He, he uh, definitely appreciated that. So that's, Yeah, uh, it was fun. It was yeah, fun. For sure. Uh, okay, well, let's get into a bit of Jets talk. Um, I was going to ask you what, do you, what do you think are going to be some of the biggest changes from last year? I mean, uh, Roslovic is obviously going to be a, a full-time thing, not coming up from the Moose. I'm curious about how the Jets uh, view Lemieux's situation, uh, also the backup goaltending. Those are those are all sort of ones that come to mind right away for me. But uh, as far as the lineup, what do you, what do you think might be different, or, or or even the usage, not just the the players in in it? What do you what do you see? 
Well, what I always find comical is Jet fans are they're a different lot. I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. Every fan base is like that. But we have 23 spots on the roster, 20 guys dress, but yet there's 30 guys that are going to play. We fall in love with every draft pick so easily. And I wrote an article a couple of years ago, and I got kind of like a where are we now, the, the flavor of the month. The guys were salivating over Kosmichuk and this guy and this guy, and they've never even got the sniff in the lineup. And, I mean, everybody wants the mute to play. Uh, you know, Rostovic is obviously, he's going to be a roster guy. Sammy Niku is a bubble guy. So is Pullman. You know, Pullman is another story. I didn't like the way they handled him in his usage last year. I would have preferred to have seen him full-time with the Moose playing a ton. That kid hasn't played a lot of hockey in the last three years. You know, first of all, an NCAA schedule is is limited to start with. He had the shoulder problems, and all of a sudden, he's a main guy on the Jets. Now, I know Palm Reese and some coaches, they would almost prefer to have a prospect skating with the big club than playing in the minors. But I just think young guys got to play. And uh, I'm kind of hoping he sticks this year. Uh, Ross Levick to me, I mean, he played. If you played in the playoffs last year, you're playing on the roster this year. I don't care. It's, it's once again, Jet fans is a jump the gun. And they yeah. just figure he's a number two center. Like, it's such an easy job. I'm going to tell you right now, Brian Little's a number two center. No doubt about it. I would kind of like to see them juggle the lines a bit and maybe put Ross Levick and Connor together on the third line. Yeah, who that right winger is going to be, I don't know. But then, then as soon as you say that, you, know, you only have four lines. Who's not playing? And that's that's the question you have to ask when you're putting together your fantasy lines. Well, that's they all look nice on paper, but where's Cop playing? Where's Tanev playing? Where's Lowry playing? You know, where are all these guys playing? I mean, we were lucky we got rid of Hendricks. Um, couple guys, couple guys we released and didn't come back, and we still have too many forwards. Somebody's not playing. I mean. I'm a Portland Winterhawks guy. And when we drafted Catan, I was happier than a pig and shit. I mean, this guy is pure skill. And I, you know what? I'm going to defend him a bit. He's never gotten a long, like a long-term chance to just play in a certain spot and give him 20 games. Two years ago when this team had no inkling to making the playoffs, that's when you try these guys – and I'm not even talking garbage time. When it was at the 60-game mark or 50-game mark, we weren't making the playoffs. So put him at center. He's yeah. probably not a center in the NHL, but put him at center and let him sink or swim for 20 games. I don't like this fourth line, second unit power play. Uh, if you're going to play a guy, play him and then make your decision on him and then cut him loose or whatever. So, I mean, I'm a Patan guy. You know, he has a good chance to make it this year, but at whose expense? Like yeah. who's if Patan plays, who doesn't play? Well, I think I think likely it's uh, Dano or Tanev would be one of those ones. I think Tanev is due for a regression. I mean, he was carried by those by his line mates there, and uh, I, I'm not a big Tanev fan. Not uh, I'm not anti-Tanev. I just think Dano and Patan are better than him. But th- that's just my take. But it, obviously, we all know that it comes down to what does the coach decide, right? So exactly. I mean, I don't I don't even count Dano as a player anymore. And the thing is, I don't mind Dano. I I like what he brings to the table. But you know what? Even like I go back to when I even when I coached back in the day, I always felt that my my five and six defensemen and my fourth line, those guys are interchangeable. You lock in your top four, you lock in your next nine, and let the other guys fight for the scraps. You know what? That gives them motivation. It uh, it, it keeps them hungry. It, it you know you get that internal competition, and then in you know and to be honest, in the grand scheme of things, 
you're going to have probably in, in any in any average NHL season, let's just say your top nine are healthy or whatever, your, your bottom line, that fourth line, you're probably rolling six, seven guys on that line in the course of the year because there's suspensions, there's injuries, there's nagging injuries. I mean, everybody's going to play. Everybody's not going to play opening night, but everybody's going to play. Yeah. So, yeah, I can see that. That's that's for sure. That's a, that's a good point. I like your take too about the prospect thing too. I've always felt that people get very excited about the prospects, but it's like, yeah, there's there's only twenty three spots, and the average lifespan of a of an NHL career is about five years. So you know somebody's not playing, right? Somebody that you draft isn't playing, and in fact, it's most of the people you draft aren't playing. So well, two years not was it last year? Two years ago, there was a guy beaking at me on Twitter, giving me crap about oh Ross he's going to score 60 points he's going to do this he's going to do that and I goes this is a kid coming out of college hockey that played a maximum of 40 to 50 games I says if he plays in the AHL and gets 40 points that's a major stepping stone and accomplishment I had no doubt that Rosalwick could play he's dripping with skill but people just think these guys come in there's only there's only a few Patrick Lyonnais and guys like that around yeah. Guys just don't jump in and excel. And I think especially coming out of college, these guys yeah. play on the big ice. They play a different game. It's wide open. It's not like the grind of the seats. I'm a CHL guy. Because right. to me, it's like, it's like a mini NHL. These guys play a 72-game schedule, playoffs, Memorial Cup. They're playing 80, 80, 85 games, and they're grinding and traveling. The college guys play on weekends, right? They play on big ice. It's a different adjustment. The thing I like about college guys is some of them come to you a little bit older, a little more mature, physically mature, like a Pullman, some of these guys. So, you know, that's that's the good the good part. But let the prospects, like, I'll tell you right now, Veselainen, there's people think he's going to score 35 goals this year. He <laughs> might not score 20 with the Moose, and that's right. fine. That's yeah. okay. Stop rushing our guys. Let them develop. I mean, I'm secretly hoping that Veselainen can, can have a great camp. But it's not the end of the world, and you know what? There's nothing wrong with the AHL. That's it's it's the best developmental league in the in the world for a reason. Uh, I have no problem with the, with the, the AHL, and especially Jet prospects being in that same building, just being across the hall, is such a bonus. That's a great perk to have. So, yeah, uh, I like the AHL, and I like the Moose, and I like the way they develop. Well, and just kind of to your point too, I feel that uh, the Jets are kind of themselves dripping with talent. You mentioned Rossovic dripping with talent that uh, they don't need to rush any of these guys. So that, that nope. that's a good thing from, from an organizational standpoint. You do not need Veselina this year. I mean, the team was, what, second in the league last year at points. So that's, that's pretty good. But anyhow, let's, uh, let's move along here. Uh, do you have any concerns for next year? As far as well, my, or injuries or injury well, concerns? It, people? It, injuries happen, no big deal. Um, my concern in their position. It's almost yeah. like they've gifted it to Broussard. And, um, I mean, he was okay at Edmonton. Um, I, I think that the relationship with him and Helly, that they're friends and work out together, and I don't know, I don't know how, they, how they mixed up because they're from different parts of the world, but um, they're tight. They have the same workout guru, and they, they, they're together in the summer, so that's helped. But, I mean, I think most people would agree. Go back two years ago, Helly had a pretty good year. He took a lot of crap, but you know what? He was he was a rookie thrown in under on a kind of a bad defensive team with bad players in front of him, and he still had a pretty good year. Like his his the only thing with that year was his bad games were really bad, 
and they weren't. There wasn't a lot of them, but it, they affected his numbers a bit. Yeah. Last year, the team played better. He had a solid year, but I mean, even the contract he got, you had to give it to him. But I would have liked to have seen back-to-back years like that first before you make that big commitment. And I, I like competition. I would have preferred to seen, uh, preferred to have seen a, a real solid veteran as his backup, push him a little bit. Like, there's something about goalies and pitchers in baseball when they know they're the default number one. Something happens. So I've got my fingers crossed, my toes crossed, and I think all Jet fans do that. That Helly is the real deal. I think he is. But if he fell off the rails this year a bit, it wouldn't surprise me because I've seen it a million times right. before. Yeah. And you, you've been around for a, for a bit to see that, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I have. I All have. right. Uh, so uh, now the Jets, they, they had a great season last year. We're talking about uh, Helly's season was obviously a big part of that. Um, wh- where do you see the Jets uh, finishing in the standings? I, I believe they were second overall, right? Second in the West as well as second overall in the league. Do you think they could repeat that? Or are they, they kind of looking more top top five team, not necessarily – top team or top two or best in the West or anything? Uh, do, is, can we well, drop off a little bit here, which is okay. Like, it's no problem, but, uh, where, where, where do we land? Well, you know what? It's a, funny, it's a funny thing. They could, I mean, a few things could happen. They could end up winning the division with five less points. You know, um, Colorado is going to be taking a lot more points from teams. Uh, the Coyotes are going to be taking a lot more points from teams. The Edmonton Oilers are bad, but they're not as bad as, we think they are. They're going to take points from teams. You're going to see the points get distributed pretty evenly across the Western Conference. So, um, are they a top five team? I don't. I can't see them being any worse. Um, you know, everybody's fell in love with Stastny. I was one of the guys. I was pretty disappointed when, when he didn't resign here. But you know, Brian Little was was on that second line for the bulk of the year, and and most of the record we achieved was with that team. Yep. So, um. It's very similar. A little bit of change on the back end. Toby's gone. Uh, Toby Light might be coming in. I don't see. <laughs> I don't see if he makes it or not this year. But uh, you know, we got Pullman, Myers, and Kulikov. Kind of an expensive third pairing, but uh, it is what it is. I guess the biggest question is: is you know, you're going to have Josh and Jake together, Buff and big big question marks. Is it moral? I don't yeah. know. And uh, hopefully, Nick. The third pairing should. Be- yeah, Niku could be there. It's hard to say. I was just kind of agreeing with your point about the uh, uh, maybe Niku and then third pair. I would like to see it. Like, well, uh, I'm of the ilk that you trade Myers now because he's probably walking for nothing at the end of the season. I'm not a re-sign him guy, so my third pair would be uh, probably Pool Poolman and uh, Poolman and Moral or Poolman and Kulikov. Sorry, if he's healthy, that that would well, be my ideal. But you know. Um... People like to sing the praises of Kevin Chevel Day off, and you know Chevy's done a pretty good job. But I, I really think this off season he could be accused of front office malpractice because Myers should have been right. gone. And I'm not a Myers hater. I know what he yeah. is, but I thought, and I really, really thought this. I thought they were going to package up um, probably Perot and Myers, ship ship them out, or I thought maybe even Little, they were going to maybe ship him out to Montreal. Montreal is such a perfect trading partner. We have everything they yeah. need. And we trade these guys out of the conference. And that's how I thought we were going to keep Stassi. Now, the Jets just have this problem. They're too, they're too loyal. Yeah. They, um, they, uh, they got this kumbaya attitude, and I get that. You want players to come here and know they're going to be loyal. But they overpaid Little, and I love Brian Little. I always have. 
They overpaid him last year. Now they're suffering with that. They should have moved. I mean, you, you can't. I know they don't like to disrupt lives and they don't like trading guys. I mean, I mean, really, if you think about it, Myers, that was, they could have got that guy off the books and they could have done, I mean, this team hasn't accomplished anything, really. And they're already in a cap crunch. Right. They got a $5 million bump from the league this year and they're in a cap crunch. Are you kidding me? The Chicago Blackhawks got into cap crunches, but Christ, they won three Stanley Cups. Yeah. <laughs> You know, we, we haven't accomplished bugger all, and we're already in the cap crunch. And there's people talking about we're going to be losing. Like, what are we going to do with Wheeler next year? Well, we can, what are you going to do? You're going to sign him is what you're yeah. going to do. Like, don't ask dumb, dumb questions. Um, so, I, yeah, I wasn't happy with the offseason. I think Chevy could have moved guys out. There should have been some big deals done. They should have revamped their team at the draft. Keep the core intact. I mean, Myers and Kulikov are a serviceable, and they're actually a pretty good third pairing. But they're not paid as the third pairing. They're paid higher up the chart than that. So, to me, not doing something with those contracts was a big mistake. Um, how much do you lose with Tucker Pullman at an entry-level contract playing great D on the third pairing? You don't lose nothing because your, your, bottom, your bottom pairing shouldn't play that much. You're going to play your top four guys a lot. And, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't happy with the offseason. I don't think it's going to hurt us. But you know what it is? I'm one of these guys, I'm an older guy, and I always believe on that return on investment. And I even write that in some of my articles. I have my, when I do my grades, I grade the guys on their, on their play and, and what their money with the bang for the dollar is. And that's why so many people didn't like Toby. Toby was what he was. He was a puck mover. But as soon as he stopped getting points, people looked at that $6 million salary and they didn't like yeah. him anymore. And that's, unfortunately, in the NHL, points is, points is where the money comes from. And that's why Jake didn't get the big contract. Truba's looking for big money, but he hasn't got the points to back it up yet. Right. He may get it this year. Who knows? But uh, it's all—it's you know—it's kind of like it's—it's—it's it's, it's all about points on that on that back end. And uh, you know the Jets, their first pairing, you got Morrissey, and you got Truba. We're set. Like I said, then you got the Buff pairing. Who knows what that's going to be? That bottom pairing makes too much money. And uh, they that should have been addressed, and uh, we could have had. You know what? How bad would that bottom pairing be if it was uh, Pullman and Niku? Let's just really go crazy. Yeah. The two kids, or put, or like you, or like you said, you put Sammy Niku with. Yeah, and Pullman with Kulikov. I know. I, I'm I'm all over that, and like I, I'm actually surprised with how many points that you made that I actually uh, strongly agree with. I I would have moved the Myers because again he's he's likely walking for nothing, and he's not a player that I think you. You resign Kulikov is a question mark, but I mean, even if it's Pullman and Morrow on the third line, and Sharat's in the box, I mean, that's that's fine for for a third pair. So, I mean, we got we got what we need, um, but uh, let's we could probably move on from some of the things that we're obviously in oh, yeah. need, right? So, anyhow, yeah. moving along here, uh, just about the playoffs last year, uh, you know, the Jets got goalied in a flurry against. Uh, uh, Las Vegas, do you think if the Jets would have made it past Las Vegas, which by all accounts they should have had Flurry not stood on his head, um, do you think the Jets uh, would have had what it take, what it took to uh, get past Washington? It was that ours to, ours to lose? Uh, we made it? I don't know. I think Washington might have been a team of destiny. To be yeah. honest, uh, I don't know if they, I don't know if they were going to lose to anybody. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say. You know, I can't sit here and say that the. I mean, I, I think the Jets could have and should have won the Vegas series. But in saying that, our first pairing of Truba and Morrissey wasn't great in that series. And Hellebuck, uh, whew, he 
you know, he, he cost us a couple big time goals and they're at the wrong times of games. I mean, there's never a right time, yeah, yeah. but uh, it cost us. So, I mean, you know, if all things being equal, if, if the Winnipeg Jets were the Winnipeg Jets in the first two rounds, could we have won the cup? Yeah. Um, but uh, unfortunately, we weren't. Some guys wore out. And the funny thing about, you know, like good players, um, you know, we can sit here and we, and we, and we talk about Truva, Morrissey, how good they were, how good their numbers were and their possession was and their five on five and this and that. But when you're playing in an 80 game schedule and you're one of the best teams in the league, most of the guys you're playing with in comparison are kind of scrubs where you earn your medal is when you're playing against in the playoffs, when the grind gets a little tougher and you're playing against a good team every single night, that's where you see your warts. And for the first time all year, I actually saw Truba and Morrissey struggle at times, and that's to be accept, ex- expected. They'll learn from that, and uh, and we'll go on. So, so sometimes losing's not a bad thing. I mean, I didn't expect them to win the cup last year, yeah. but once they got to the first two rounds and Vegas was there, I thought, oh, we have a chance. But uh, you know what? You learn from you learn from that. The young guys. Uh, I mean, I think everybody's going to be a little bit smarter and stronger next year. It's just how they integrate the younger guys and how they fit in and not even so much buy into the system, but contribute. It's hard to be, uh, you know, kind of a third line, fourth line guy. If you're a young guy and uh, you need to play a lot. And uh, sometimes you're playing out of your comfort zone and not what your skill set is. And Paul Maurice, I like him. He's still a bit old school. I mean, I'm an old school guy, but he's still an old school, old school guy. And he likes, he likes his third and fourth lines. Well, maybe his fourth line anyway, most teams, you know, will agree now that you need a top nine. You're not going to get by the top top six anymore. You need a top nine, and you need a fourth line that's serviceable that can do a little grinding, penalty killing, and, and score a little bit. And uh, for me, this year, it's, it's all about that third line. Third, the third line is what's going to either be our downfall or take us to the top echelon. Yeah. Well, just uh, kind of to the point about the the playoffs, uh, like last year, we started off talking about. Um, I, I, it's just interesting to me to see how it might have been there for the taking. And then this year, uh, I kind of shared off air with you about the, um, uh, I can't remember if it was hockey, um, hockey News or who put out their, their projections for the chances of winning the Cup this year. And they actually had Winnipeg behind Toronto, which uh, I thought was an interesting one. Do you, uh, do you see Toronto making a big surge and, and, and actually jumping ahead of Winnipeg? I, I, I find that hard to believe. And not as an anti-Toronto sentiment, but just as a, a realist. Is that... Should be worried about. I know they're. Oh, that's that's really funny you just mentioned that because in my article today, my random thoughts, I think number five or six I had in there about the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I said, I think I I wish I had it in front of me so I could read it to you, but I'll try to wing it here. Basically, I said was funny how the Toronto fans and media now have the Toronto Maple Leafs as Stanley Cup contenders, just just because of the signing of John Tavares, and I goes. Granted, it was a great signing, and it's a huge signing, but he doesn't address <laughs> their misgivings on the back end where everybody was lamenting how bad their defense was. So I posed the question, will Tavares make them good enough to outscore their mistakes? Yeah, maybe in the regular season, it remains to be seen. But the bottom line comes, uh, I mean, they lost JVR. They lost, um, who was the other center? Went to St. Louis. I think they lost him. So, so Tavares comes in. He's, he's elite, and he makes a nice top six. But he's not going to bring a lot more goals into the lineup. They probably have more goals leaving the lineup than him bringing in. So they're basically the same team. Now, the Jets, 
the Jets could, uh, well, let's just say the things finish the same and the Jets play Nashville in the second round. Let's give them a first-round victory. Yeah. They play Nashville in the second round and we lose in six or seven games. Are you going to jump off the ledge? That could happen. So do you think Nashville thought they were going to lose right. seven games this year? They thought they were winning the cup after their run. So there's a fine line. And you, I don't know if for anybody who knows me and reads my stuff, they know how much I dislike Gary Bettman. And he's buggered up this league. You know what he's done? He's taken the Winnipeg Jets and put them back into my era. And I'm going back in the day when we were in the Smythe division with Edmonton and Calgary. And there was that one season where in the overall standings, but keep in mind, we were in the Smythe and we had to battle each other to get out. There, the teams were one, three, and six in the whole league, and we were fighting each other. Right. It's they've created they've created the same situation. Jets could finish in first. Colorado Avalanche could finish in eighth as the wild card. And would you be surprised if they beat us? I'd be a, t- a tad surprised, a bit upset. Yeah. it can happen. I don't like. I like. I'm a. You know what? I'm a proponent. I like one through eight or one through sixteen. I don't like these. I don't need these make-believe divisional rivalries that they try to create. You create rivalries just from any playoff. Thing. I mean, I kind of like the East-West thing, so I would go one eight two seven, that type of thing. I don't need the divisions. I just think it's uh, like last year was a joke. You got the two best teams, one and two in the whole league, and they're eliminating each other in the second round. Yeah, round. there's, there's definitely a lot of people that would be on board with that sentiment. So, And I, 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 yeah. I did not like that, but I mean, at some point, to be the best, you got to beat the best. So, or be the best on that day, right? So that's that's kind of how how it played out for for the Jets. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we were lucky. We we, we weren't lucky. Yeah. We deserved it. But yeah. all right, I'm gonna uh, end off with this last question, one that I haven't really heard too many people talk about. But since uh, uh, Pascal Vincent moved down to the Moose to coach there, uh, the Jets have seen uh, a better uh, special teams uh, overall. And with uh, was it is it JC Compon or well, I can't remember his first name, but anyhow he's coming. Oh, Jamie, 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 there we go. Jamie, um, I'm curious. Yeah. Like, do you see uh, that sort of? Um, I know you you said you're you're okay. like Maurice. I'm not a big Maurice fan, but I'm curious uh, how much that change in assistant coaching has maybe helped with the Jets' resurgence. Obviously, talent that's you know been groomed and ready has has been part of it. I'm curious what you see with the assistant coaching thing and its uh, role role in making us so much better. Wow, come on, he's a Winterhawk guy, Jamie Compton. Oh, I should have known. Right? <laughs> right. Um, you know what? There's, Jamie Compton did have a bit of a reputation of, uh, he kind of fixed, uh, where was he, in LA, kind of fixed their power play. I mean, look, you look at the personnel, it's all about personnel, right? You look at uh, the Jets' power play under Pascal Vincent, you know, Andrew Ladd, Brian Little, and Blake Wheeler, uh, Buff, and whoever told me on the point uh not much not much chance when you compare that to the power play they can throw out through uh, right now but uh uh pascal vincent to me was always a guy it's tough coming straight out of the queue and then jumping into pro hockey like he's in his element right now the guy's a teacher he's good with young players he's in a perfect spot i used to crap all over him I really did because their special teams were so bad in the power play. And uh, who was it? Uh, was it uh, Perry Pern? Was he in, in, in charge of the PK? And I think Pascal was in charge of the power play. Um, 
any power play that has Buff on it, and you got a young coach like Pascal Vincent, it's a losing battle. Um, Buff at that time was a bit of a different guy, different cat, and uh, they were probably a hard power play to teach. Uh, the talent level has gone drastically up, and I think that's the bottom line. There's no doubt about that. All right. Yeah, I just figured I'd get your take on that. I knew that you'd be familiar with the names and the changes that went through there, so I was just curious if that was uh, something that Jets could kind of credit some of our, you know, uh, upsurge in. So, Well, you know what's funny, uh, AJ? What's funny about it is, is really, if you think about it, most hockey players have run the same, like, same power play from the time they're in Phantom and Midget. There's not a lot of difference in how you rotate and roll your power play. It's about personnel, and it's about having that guy that can dish it. And for whatever reason, it, the Jets' power play works now because they have Shifley as more of a trigger man, and Wheeler runs the power play off the off the right half wall. Now, that's you, you couldn't do that a couple of years ago because you had Andrew Ladd as a lefty, and Brian Little was okay in the middle. But the power play just wasn't the same. And, you know, all, all due respect to Toby, I love him. He tried his heart out. But he, when, when teams know you're not going to shoot the puck, it's like playing four-on-four, yeah. four, right? Now you got line A back there replacing Toby with that cannon. I guess the power play better be better, right? Absolutely. It should be, and it is. So thank, thankfully, uh, the personnel got better, and yeah. I guess arguably maybe the coaching got a bit better too. But either way, it's better. So we definitely have some, sure. some good stuff to look forward to. Uh, I'm going to end it there, Mitch. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. Uh, where can people find you in, in your work now? Tell us where you well, we know same place, WinnipegHockeyTalk.com, and we have the links on there for the podcast. We'll probably, I'm going to guess that me and Manny will uh, probably get one done uh, before the season starts, and then try to go on from there, work it out. Uh, All right, we'll sounds good. Well, I uh, appreciate, uh, like I said, you taking the time, and uh, this is fun, and I'm sure we'll maybe uh, do this again uh, during the season. Sometime we'll have you on, and you can give us some some of your uh, updated thoughts on what's uh, what's going right or wrong in the middle no of the problem. season. 